Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to another very special edition of the Guest Alliance podcast, Unicorn Challenge. We have had two days of amazing world's action, and I got to be honest, I'm leaving this day of action even more confused than I was at the beginning. But to mesh through all that confusion and kind of find our way, I'm joined by my good friend, Walter Fetchuk. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, but the one thing that you guys can take to the bank is that the most confusing thing that could have happened, this entire world didn't happen, TSM is still winless. So I think that was probably oh. the most confusing thing that could have happened at Worlds. TSM has still not won a game. Uh, it, it's not Armageddon. The sky isn't falling. Everybody, you guys can just relax, listen to myself and Chase. Gambling world, everything's all right. Yeah, and for the record, uh, as you're listening here, you might notice that the sound quality is a little bit off. Um, unfortunately, there are some Skype issues right now. I am going to be working all night with Skype support to fix this. We don't really know what happened because we've done this literally thousands of times, and it's only a problem when we talk to each other, which I guess is Skype's way of saying, Chase, I know you're having a really rough time in this Unicorn Challenge thing. I'm going to try to save you. Uh, it's just misunderstood, I guess, uh, my computer technology there. But, uh, but Walter, I, before we get into your TSM um, struggles, I guess we could say, uh, I want to start with the groups that we're not going to see tomorrow. And specifically, we should start with the Flash Wolves versus the Koo Tigers, because for the second day in a row, the Flash Wolves have broken my dreams. And <laughs> they've done so. Like, can, I guess we should start by saying, was this the kind of performance you thought the Flash Wolves had in them after what we saw yesterday? I mean, let, let's be honest. Like, I, I thought this was impressive, but I think it said a lot more about Koo and Koo's inconsistency mm -hmm. than it did about, you know, Flash Wolves being some, uh, you know, some crazy strong Taiwanese team. Like, I, I think they played as well as they did yesterday. It was probably just a little bit cleaner. And they just got a result because, you know, at the end of the day, their 80 carry didn't get caught by an Elise stun. Yeah, well, that's something. I mean, that's the easy thing that people point to, the NL upgrade over Kate Kramer, which, first of all, I don't know what the whole point of the Kramer experiment was if you're just going to pull him after one game. Like, if he was on such a thin leash that all it took was one bad game – for you to completely change your direction, then why was he in in the first place? You clearly don't have any confidence in him. There's just it, you, you wasted your time and wasted our time for that matter. It's it's a weird weird call by them. But the thing that I think was really impressive to me was how much the Flash Wolves improved their pick and ban phase from what we saw yesterday. I mean, you and I went into this huge rant yesterday about how the Flash Wolves picks just made no sense, how it didn't come together as a team, and how. It basically created the system where if they didn't win by the you know 30-minute mark, they were going to lose that game because CLG was going to have those natural advantages. And in this composition, they you know they give up the Lulu, but they take this gangplank that has so much damage. They take the Nidalee, which is something that Karza has been very good at consistently throughout the split. They take the Varus for this insane poke, and then you kind of force them into your front line, which is this Darius who all he wants – is to be surrounded by people, you know, it, what is, is this the kind of composition that you see Darius succeeding on going forward, or do you think this is a one-time coup can't play against pick comps very well? Um, this wasn't a pick comp, it was a poke comp, and, and in oh, all honesty, sorry. I don't think that this composition, like, to me, maybe I'm just very ignorant, and, and, you know, I'm, you know, 
tier B in terms of comes to pick ban analysis and you know real anal analysts will look at this and go, oh yeah, it was obvious what they were trying to do, but the 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 purpose of this comp was not very obvious from the onset. Like this didn't like I get the Nidalee and the Varus go together because it's poke, but then like there's a Gangplank and a Darius. Like uh, I thought maybe at one point, like probably like three or four minutes in the game, I was like, okay, maybe it's just gonna be Darius and Gangplank split push, and it's hmm. Nidalee trying to set them up for a split push later, so a heavy ganking early jungler. And then the Varus, Morgana, and Nidalee is just going to be, it's going to be a 1-3-1, one, one, and Varus and Morgana are just going to disengage. Like, mm -hmm. maybe that was what it was, and that it, Gragas would have fit better, but, like, at the end of the day, it was just really well executed what they tr were trying to do, and it was trying to force Ku to come into them. So by picking up these two poke champions in Varus and Nidalee, and it was, okay, we're just going to sit here and we're going to chunk you out unless you run into us. And that was all Ku could do with Nar and Lee Sin and, and Alistar is run in, and they're running into Morgana bindings, they're running into Gangplank barrels, they're running into Darius, who... Now today we're seeing what Darius really is. Darius isn't supposed to be this one-on-one, -on -one, like, really strong fighter. He's supposed to be a tank. And he's being played like a tank, just he can build a damage item to start. It's almost like Gnar, but he doesn't have the range. It, it's almost like just playing against Mega Gnar the entire time. Yeah, you don't have to worry about those windows of opportunity so much. I think that's very fair. I, I Once you really, uh, you know, you have this Lulu that you would think would counter a lot of the damage and you can neutralize the poke, but clearly it wasn't enough to neutralize all of this poke. And, and Alistar... You know, again, it's it's all about these windows, right? You have that six seconds where you have all of those, you know, defense boosts, and then Alistar is vulnerable again. You have these, you know, this 15-second window where Nar is super strong, and then, you know, it falls off again. And these are all things that you have to be able to exploit, and Ku just wasn't when we get to the late game. And as much as I want to give praise to the Flash Wolves, I think you hit it on the head earlier that this is as much, at, at the very least, about Ku's failings here – what was it, this transition of the late game? Because things were looking very good for them. You know, I, I distinctly remember in our Skype conversation talking about, you know, how there was no way they were going to blow this. They, you know, it had such a this five tower lead, and and things seemed very good for them. So, how did this all go wrong so quickly? Crit mate, crit, <laughs> gangplank crit. That, that, to me, that's what it what it came down to was that gangplank finally got online, finally had an infinity edge, and started chunking. Like, I, I just remember at one point uh, where they're fighting underneath where uh, Flash Wolves uh, mid outer tower is, where they have that team fight there, and you just see Nar's health bar. Like, he jumps in to go after, after Varus in Italy. He gets Varus ulted. There's a Gangplank ultimate behind him, and you just watch Gangplank drop a barrel, click it down, drop a second barrel on top of him, and his health, he gets hit by a Varus Q, he gets hit by a Nidalee Q, he gets hit by a barrel, and he's at 150 health. Just like that. It, it was like insanity. I, I think it was just Crit. Crit finally got online, and uh, the Darius and the Gangplank did a very good job, at, at, at especially the Gangplank Ultimate, of separating the frontliners of Ku from, from uh, Lulu and from Jinx. Like, mm -hmm. Not letting Jinx get in to get these get her crits off on on the Varus and get the, her crits off on the Nidalee and let her reset. Uh, she only had you know kill participation. She had six out of <laughs> well out of seven kills. She was involved in six of seven kills, but 
some of those came in late, like, you know, in laning phase, not during team fights. And it just seemed like in team fights, she wasn't able to get her resets and she wasn't able to start running around and picking off, you know, person after person. They had a lot of damage that if she got out of position, you know, and got hit by a Morgana bind, she was going to instantly die. So I think the back, the back line of coup, the, the Lulu and the Jinx played very, very safe. Um, but at the end of the day, the tanks just couldn't, couldn't do anything. They couldn't get to the poke. Yeah, and the one other thing that I think is really important to note is that Smeb has really underperformed through two games at this world. This was a guy that people were arguing like, why isn't he in the top ten? In you know, in the in the uh, LOL esports rankings, why aren't isn't he being talked about in this whole best top laner in the world conversation? Look at how much he does with so little. And then you watch these last two games, and his teleports have just been consistently off. He's yeah. just. Coming into these lost fights, coming in too late, coming in too early, it's just – the whole timing, he just isn't on the same page as the rest of his team. And with a champion like Nara that has these windows of opportunity, you can't afford to make those mistakes because when you do, they got compounded so quickly. And that's exactly what happened here. And you know, it leads into this CLG versus Pain Gaming game because we have to look at – who who's going to be playing next and CLG for all the mistakes that we, they had yesterday and you know, the, how close that game was against flash wolves. They took care of business today. I, when you looked at the CLG's performance, was there anything in particular that struck out to you as something that was a big improvement over what we'd seen yesterday? Uh, no, it's the same style of composition they ran yesterday. Just instead of Darius, they ran Olaf and I thought he should have played Olaf yesterday. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was very good. I think Smithy still made one or two very questionable decisions um, that he got caught and he got punished for a couple of them, but a better team will punish more of them. Um, and even with us as like poorly as Coup played, like I still think that going into tomorrow or not going into tomorrow, but going into uh, Sunday for them mm -hmm. when they play against Coup, X Smithy himself, like X Smithy of all people needs to clean it up. He's the one that's making a lot of these very punishable mistakes. Even Aphromu a couple of times were caught was caught in some like weird positioning. Um, <laughs> so he needs to he needs to also you know make sure that when they're roaming around the map he has a, he has at least like two ways out like you know stuff like that where he's not getting cornered. Um, the biggest thing that worries me though is Pobelter got Lulu twice. There is no chance in hell that Koo Tigers is going to give him Lulu a second time with CLG being so brazen in there. We're playing double lift is going to carry us to the finals. Yeah. That, you, that's the game they're playing here. You've got to imagine that this is going to be a focus for them in this, in this upcoming matchup. I, on the one hand, I understand how the Lulu might get through. If you're pain, you know, you're on the red side, you're afraid of the gangplank, you're afraid of the Mordekaiser. And then I, I guess you just made the case of Elise is, you know, the scariest guy that X Smithy has right now. But honestly, you can't ban all of X Smithy's champions with just the Elise. You're not. I don't think the difference between his Elise in and his Elise is enough to justify that ban. That was one that I thought was quite questionable. Yeah, it, but this is a problem that we've seen with Red Side. Day one, Blue Side won five of the six games. Today it was more even, but today. You also had SKT and EDG on red side, so that makes things a little bit different. It's – I think as people get used to this meta and they get used to what's truly scary, 
people are going to make adjustments. We found today that there are some things you can do to counter that Lulu, but certainly what Payne did was not that. And you knew it as soon as you saw Kami go back and he was a Doran's ring versus the, uh, the chalice of harmony. And you just knew it was over by that point. Oriana was so much further ahead in that matchup. And, uh, I mean, sorry, the Lulu was so much further ahead in that matchup and Pobalt are just snowballed. And it, it wasn't close for the rest of that game. Uh, if you're pain, is there anything you can look at and kind of take away from this, from this loss? Something you're, you can, you're, your you're, you're catching people on these invades on these like five men, like where you're just setting up death bushes, waiting for them to come in. I think teams mm-hmm. are going to get wise to it and you're going to have to play around it. But, um, I think that they're very they're doing very well at that. They're doing pretty okay in the laning phase. They aren't I mean, yeah, Kami just got wrecked by Lulu in laning phase, but Lulu was ahead at that point. Like, you know, you're you're kind of screwed when you're coming back into lane with, you know, a second Doran's ring and some and some potions and they're coming back with a Doran's ring, a chalice and boots and potions and wards, like you're kind of like there's not much you can do there. Um I think what this is telling me though is that th- this game in particular and and the orient series if you're playing a control mage don't go you have you go flash teleport like just go mm-hmm. flash teleport like teleport has all of a sudden become so impactful not just in terms of like not not in terms of like oh you know he teleported to to bot lane and made you know some huge play or whatever it, it's just a it gets me back into mid lane so i can push and the way that the games are playing out, mid-tower seems to be extremely important, more so than usual in terms of opening up the map and allowing these team fights that are happening and these sieges that are happening. It's a lot easier to roam around and get top tower after you've already got bot tower if mid-tower is gone. It's not mm-hmm. very easy to go get top tower if mid-tower is still there because you can't really dive. The only way you can really get into their jungle is either by getting close to that tower and going through that ramp that leads into like race. Mm-hmm. Or, or razor beaks, whatever you want to call them, or you have to go through tri, you know, tri bush, and there's two different spots that a mid laner can easily, or that a top laner can easily ward to protect themselves, and you're not getting a tower dive, and then you're just getting the tower. So I think having the te- having the double teleport is probably going to be a trend that we're going to see teams, uh, if not the not the rest of this weekend, definitely next weekend, start to try and exploit, and uh, and use to their advantage. Yeah, that was definitely something that. I think teams really did a good job of using today. I think the double teleport is going to be huge going forward. It makes me wonder um, how some of these teams are going to adjust. I I want to get into the unicorn challenge because I think I think we're ready to talk about this. I I I wanted to start with the Flash Wolves killing my dreams because I had a three team parlay. Which for those of you at home who uh, love Unicorn because it's so easy and so much fun. And really, how could you not love something in which you get to gamble on all these games and potentially win awesome prizes and those those raffles that they're holding all the time? Uh, it's basically a three-team multi-bet. It's called a parlay in formal gambling. But regardless, I had EDG, which was a win. I had KT, which was a win. And I had Koo Tigers. Yay! <laughs> You know, it's it's just it's one of those things where I remember Cousin Sal and Bill Simmons, every time they would do the Guest the Lions NFL podcast, which is the spiritual predecessor to this one, they always said, like, it's always the third team. You know, you, you get the two and then there's going to be something weird happening in that third game and you're going to hate the fact that you did a three team parlay. So just don't do it. 
and I did it, and it was the third team, and it hurts. And that puts me back a little bit more even than I was already. Walter, your parlay didn't work much better, did it? Coo, 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 coo. <laughs> coo, 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 choo. Coo. Yeah. That's all but I have to say. On the bright side, you had EDG as a separate bet. Woo! So you won a little bit off of that. There wasn't much of a, of a vig there. Not, not you, much. But you got something. Meanwhile, I threw 10 on Origin, not because I thought they were going to win. I'm not going to take any credit for that. <laughs> but just because I looked at the odds and I said, these are really good odds when it's going to be Origin at home, essentially, with the, you know, the baguette salutes and the French national anthem as Soez gets on wait, the Wait, wait, weren't you the guy the two stadium? days ago that was saying home field advantage meant nothing here? Yeah, but I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong in day one. I learned lessons. <laughs> Walter, you have to adapt to these kinds of challenges. You, you heard just... that French crowd day one, boo TSM, and you're like, oh boy, I made a mistake. Yeah, man. That, I mean, that was, uh, that was one of those signs. You really got to take these things into account. Um, and so I, I took the origin. I basically made as much as Walter did, slightly less. He got 31.25 unicoins. I got 29.2. Our other bets, I put five on pain just because, you know, CLG looked a little shaky. That didn't work out. Walter, as the TSM fan that he is, put 15 on them to uh, to pull off the upset on KT. That sadly did not work out either, um, and that leaves him with a 143.4 unicorn lead right now. So we'll keep you up to date with that uh, as we compete for these awesome charities of ours. I'm competing for uh, Nothing But Nets, which is a charity that helps give uh, nets to underprivileged families in Africa to help keep them safe from malaria and the mosquitoes that spread it. And, uh, and Walter, who are you playing for? Uh, I'm playing for uh, To Write Love on Her Arms. It's uh, an organization that uh, helps people with uh, addiction, uh, depression, thoughts of suicide, and, and other mental health issues, um, and also bringing uh, light onto those issues uh, in kind of like non-traditional means. So there's, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of bands that uh, in particular support it and, and celebrities and even like YouTube stars that, you mm -hmm. know, will do, will do charity work for them and uh, get the word out that way. So I'm, I'm yeah. feeling pretty good right now. It, yeah. Your charity has got to be pretty happy. I'll have to work for mine. And either way uh, we'd like to thank unicorn both for the hundred dollars that they're graciously donating to whoever wins this challenge, but also for giving us this chance to uh, to plug it at uh, in each of these episodes here. Uh, so you guys kind of can look to that. And if you want to donate, that'd be awesome too. Uh, but we're going to move on to the Guess the Lines challenge, the meat, as, uh, as some could say, of this podcast. Uh, I am up two to one because we split yesterday. So this is your chance, Walter, to try to to try to tie this whole thing back up. And it starts with Group C, which I don't think we need to spend too much time analyzing the uh, the Bangkok Titans uh, SKT game today. Uh, man, SKT was styling. That's what they, that game was. They didn't care an inch about <laughs> anything that the Bangkok Titans were trying to do. Styling. That uh. that all off mid lane. Uh, uh, Deficio, <laughs> I think, was the one who brought it up. That he saw mm -hmm. the clip on like Reddit of someone posting it. Like, I feel like this game was just Faker saying to every single analyst, "F you," <laughs> and just like, "Don't forget, I could literally play any champion in the game." And he just wanted to, to increase his. 
I think he just wanted to increase the number of champions for all those articles that are like he's won on more champions than anything else. You know, he just wants to make so play, that so number go up. Really, really weird. Play like Sona. Like play something that you're just it's it's so like stylish that everyone's gonna be like, whoa. You guys remember that game that like when that gets brought up that they're like you know he he's like the Aurelia thing and like Master Yi how like everyone always brings that up like that's all they could talk about until he picked mm -hmm. Olaf like something like that like you know Faker can play every champion he's even won with mid lane mana misfortune like just something weird like <laughs> Olaf he didn't even play Olaf weird he played Olaf like a top lane Olaf in mid lane like that was it so. Yeah, sandbagging. it's yeah, the whole thing was sandbagging. And you know what? I, I understand it. I know a lot of people get very upset when they see games like this. I saw a lot of outrage. It's like, why do we even invite these wildcard teams here if we're not going to take the game seriously? Which, I, you know, I get where that sentiment is coming from. But you have to understand that if you're SKT, why in the world would you give away any information to EDG tomorrow for tomorrow? The, the only no thing need. they gave him was Faker plays Olaf, which... <laughs> Which I don't think is going to come up again. Olaf. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I, I've gone back and, and I had gone back after I saw the video of him doing it. He mm -hmm. plays it against Azir quite a bit in solo queue on, on, uh, hide on Bush on his, yeah. like, his Smurf account. He actually does like, he'll play it more time. Like he'll play it most often against Azir, which mm -hmm. is like, I think he's played it five or six times recently on that account and like three of them are against azir so i'm with the, how popular azir is and how strong like having olaf as one of those juggernauts is like mm, there might be something here maybe i would be very very surprised just because of what that pick has to necessarily give up i don't know how you do that with uh with the top lane where it is right now like what top laner would you pick to go alongside your mid lane Olaf. Like what jungler? I, I don't even know how that team composition would work. But you know what? Maybe maybe Kakoma has a way. Maybe there's a, there's a grand plan that I just – my feeble non-Korean mind just can't foresee right now. It's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure we'll certainly find out. The other game from that group today was EDG versus H2K, which – you know, I tried to give Lulek some credit yesterday. For the way he played, I thought he handled SKT about as well as you could want him to. I thought he, he landed his Gragas uh, slams pretty well. I, I I take it all back today. I'm so done. I, I He was so bad today that it actually lessened the good things that he did yesterday in my mind, which is pretty incredible. Um, what, what was your big takeaway from this whole game? So uh... – this team fundamentally hates helping its jungler and its support while they go uh, try and ward or go mm -hmm. try and clear vision. They act like these laners don't help them, period, like at all. Like the only time I think I saw a laner with the support or the jungler while they were clearing vision or, uh, you know, walking in to like get vision in the enemy jungle was like if they were already there, like – Lulu coming back from like placing a ward bumps into a pink ward on like the bot side river bush and oh yeah you know Lala Lolex and and Kossing are here like okay let's clear this ward like they didn't they don't help and 
as much as I want to rip on Lolex, like most of his deaths were him having to go, him going in trying to get vision or clear vision, mm-hmm. and there's two people there. There's a laner and there's their jungler, and he's like, "Well, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Like, my laner is still sitting in mid lane. That's they don't have a laner there, and it's pushed up to river, and Ryu's just sitting there farming. Like, come on, you got you got to give him some help." Um, Oh, I agree with that. And and it's one of those things where I think his biggest sin of this whole game wasn't any of the deaths. It was the fact that there was a pre-six Cassidy without Flash in the mid lane, and he didn't try to gank once, which was just kind of insane. I, I don't know. It's almost like they were more scared of trying to make plays on EDG than when they were when they played SKT yesterday, which – you know, maybe if the team composition was a, in a different way, you you could say that makes sense. But EDG had, you know, this Cassidy, Darius, Callista. These were all going to scale. This wasn't going to get any easier. I understand that you have a Tristana, but that's that's not really enough. And it's just – it's this weird thing. And, and I think you hit it on the head, just this whole – not working together to make this vision stuff happen. It just puts so much pressure on Lulex and causing who, you know, I've been a big causing guy on this pod. I'm still a causing guy on this Char- pod. But... Sharnan makes him look awful. Yeah. I, when engage supports, like he just makes him look awful. Which is so funny because it used to be, you know, this whole thing of Kazin came in and he helped get Hyarnin to this next level. And now it's almost like Hyarnin got there and Kazin's the one who's a step behind, but which you really – that's not a great place to be right to, now. To be fair, it the meta is not in Kazin's favor. Like he no. is not an engaged player, and he needs to take this off season now that he's had a full year in the LCS. Mm-hmm. He needs to go and he needs to learn from Yellowstar because that was Yellowstar's problem too. He was a Jana player. He wasn't, you know, he was a Jana who also would play Leona sometimes, and he's gotten better at playing all the engaged supports. That's now mm-hmm. what you know. That's now what Kossing needs to do is now he needs to to learn from Yellowstar since since we all compare him to Yellowstar in terms of his 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 game intelligence and. Uh, his his kind of stylistic play, you know, and what he decides to do in the game. Now he needs to go and, and look at Yellowstar's career and go, okay, what's the next thing that he did? You know, how did he get better at being a support? And I think that's really focusing and learning how to play these engaged style supports. Yeah. No, I, I better th- AD carry. Yeah, and, and a better jungler. There's a lot that this H2K team's going to do. I am interested to see how this last day of games goes. Uh, I think H2K versus BKT... This is a chance for H2K to maybe get some confidence back up in themselves. You know how this is uh, a lesser opponent, I think it's fair to say, yeah. than, than I think they've been playing. So this is a chance for them to to work together and iron out the kinks and try some things uh, that maybe they can use the second time around. And maybe it won't look quite so ugly when we have that uh, second week of games. But we start not with the uh, H2K BKT game. We start with EDG. Versus SKT, this is the game that everyone has been waiting for, I think, since this whole tournament began. Walter, what matchup is most exciting to you when you look at these two teams and the game that we're going to have tomorrow? Uh, so it's it's obviously Pawn versus Faker. Mm. Pawn has the, – the, the statistic is Pawn has kicked Faker out of the last five major tournaments they've played in together. 
He's beat him the last five times they've met in a major tournament. I am curious if this is just this is just the one guy who will always you know be the one faker can't beat. Pawn is not the best mid laner in the world. Let, <laughs> let's be honest. He's not the best mid laner in his own region. But for some reason, whenever he, it comes down to faker, he has his number. And I think this is probably the biggest. Like this is the most entertaining matchup out of this entire uh, this entire like group in terms of playing against each other. But I mean, watching uh, watching Marin play against um, against Amazing Jay. Amazing Jay is going to be phenomenal too. Uh, watching Bengi and and Clear Love uh, interact with each other is going to be pretty incredible. Uh, obviously, the bot lane definitely is probably in, is is in favor of EDG in terms of just kind of the star power. But I think Bang and Wolf have played pretty well uh, against lesser opponents, and now this is their first real test. Uh, but it comes down to the mid lane. It comes down to Faker, and it comes down to Pawn. And is Pawn just his kryptonite? Well, that's the thing. I think if you're SKT, you're looking at Faker and Marin and saying, these are the two lanes that we should win. And we need to win both of these because otherwise you have Clear Love versus Bengi. And I, I, Bengi's had a couple nice plays, but Clear Love, I believe, to be the best jungler in the world, that's a very tough matchup. Even if Bengi's playing at his best, that's a very tough matchup for anyone. And it's not something that you could rely upon. And I do think that Deft, you know... He's not the best AD carry in the world. I think that's still Imp, but he might be the second best AD carry in the world. He's really, really good at his job, and Mako has been very nice these last couple games. I, his Annie was incredible today. I, I think that you can give a lot of credit to that bot lane in general for just how easy and systematic that win over H2K was. And and Pawn, it's funny when you look at that matchup with Faker, right? Because Faker is the ultimate aggression mid laner he is he believes he can kill you at any time and he usually can and he's happy to engage on these fights and he understands exactly when the fight is most in his favor and takes advantage of these power spikes you know every little bit and pawn is a guy who prefers mid laners with a bunch of escapes and who's played faker tons of times and kind of knows his habits you know it's one of those things where what's faker's advantage well he always knows when to go in well if you know when faker's going in you you can at least minimize the damage which i think is something that when you're looking at beating skt it's not about beating faker it's about not letting faker beat you and letting the rest of your team beat the rest of skt that's the way I would approach it, the very least, if so, I'm EDG. So the, the equivalent here for all of our football fans is mm-hmm. Rich Gannon and the Oakland Raiders against. Oh man! Uh, no, 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 no. Who is the quarterback? No, it, never mind. Because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like the Raiders against uh, the Buccaneers. Are you going back to that Super Bowl? Yeah, let, let's go back to that one. I wanted to make a Trent Dilfer reference, but let's make Brad Johnson instead. That's that's almost as good. <laughs> Rich Gannon was this gunslinger of a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, which I is kind of weird to think about because compared mm-hmm. to him to like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady now, he wasn't. But at his mm-hmm. time, he was this gunslinger of a quarterback who you know would th- you know throw these tight spirals into double coverage and was, you know, get a touchdown and holy crap. And then they ran into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the, in the, in the Super, in the Super Bowl. Bowl. And they, the, 
you know, the Buccaneers played out of their minds, but they had Brad Johnson as their quarterback. And Brad Johnson was about as, like, game managing, let's just play it safe. He would never go for the risky, you know, double coverage. He'd always dump it off. He'd just play, like, very, very safe and didn't want to make a mistake. And, and that is Pawn. Pawn plays not to make a mistake. Um, the one thing I do want to say, though, after watching, like, the, the Legends Rising documentary, which I thought was very well done, mm -hmm. uh, if you can kind of deal with the, the sort of choppiness of it by it being, you know, two people per episode, um, I think kind of our our interpretation of Faker as a player is wrong. Uh, so you say, he oh, he knows that he can kill you at any moment. I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's that he... He can process the moments when he can kill you, and he just takes them without question. That, that's what okay. I mean. I, okay, it's this okay. idea of constantly being able to evaluate what is the what are our power levels? What are my cooldowns? What are his cooldowns? What is what are our items? How do I you know he can do all of this instantly, and the second he knows he has you, he goes for it. Yeah, which is okay. just that, incredible. That's, that's fair you, enough. You phrased it in a better way than I did. Okay. And, and and also by the way, that Legends Rising documentary is awesome, and you guys should totally go see it. Um, so, so I, I think that's a good comparison, honestly. And again, hate to break it to SKT fans, but the winner of that that game was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so that's not a good sign for them going forward. If that's a historical parallel we're going for, it will be interesting to see if our, our gunslinger faker can can pull it out. But where do you think the gambling line is? Uh, see, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. This this is. I don't know who the favorite should be. That, oh. That's what that's what bothers me is I don't quite know who they consider the favorite. Uh, it's who the gamblers consider the favorite. Um, but at the end of the day, I I think it's SKT, just because they have the best player in the world. And 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 who is it that says uh, when you have the best player in the world, like you always have an advantage? Yeah. I've, I've heard that one once yeah, or twice. It's, it's an analyst. I can't remember which, which sports analyst it says it. And he always says it about LeBron James. Yes. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go SKT at minus 175. Okay, you got this one. I thought it was going to be even closer. I went minus 130. I was thinking it was going to be a very slight edge. Okay. It is SKT minus 189. Which means if you like the uh, EDG in this game, yeah. it is uh, plus 140 for EDG. There's Which, there's definitely value on EDG there. There's definitely uh, value. There will definitely be some unicorns on that game from me. I don't know how many yet. I have to think about it. But it is it's happening. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be very interesting. It's not that I think that SKT is necessarily going to lose. It's just that... Is, is SKT going to win this game? Let's say if they win six out of ten times, well, the four times that they lose, that's better than the odds that we're getting right now, yeah. uh, if, if I think it's that close. And I do think it is a 60-40 game. Okay. So, you know, at the very least. And it might be closer to 50-50. I really like how EDG has looked. We haven't seen as many serious games uh, from SKT so far this tournament, and it's kind of hard to evaluate because – we're seeing some weird things out of the other Chinese teams right now, and we're seeing some weird things from the other Korean teams right now. So how these regions match up is is very difficult. This game's going to tell us a lot, I think, 
going I, forward. I expect Darius and Nar to be the top lane matchup. I'd like put money down on that. Neither SKT nor EDG have even thought about banning Darius so far. Yeah, and I and I think that's very likely. I would be very curious to see if there's a Fiora ban from EDG just because of how good Marin looked on it in that H2K game. That's something I, think, I have I think to think ban about. Lee Sin. Um, what what's the side? Uh, it's uh, EDG's yeah. blue. So I think EDG probably probably uh, goes after Bangi and bans Lee Sin, or and maybe Elise. Like might double ban. Bangi take Rek'Sai first pick and go, okay, boys, what are you going to do? So yeah, I, I'd in, say that might be the intelligent thing to do. It's in play. There are a lot of things that are in play in this game. I can't wait to watch it. It's a great way to open, too. I think it's going to, you know, usually you want to end on your best game, but if, uh, if you're going to do it early because you understand that all the Asian regions want to see this massive hyped up game before it's way too late for them, uh, thanks to that whole time zone thing, I think... It's an amazing game to start with as well. Uh, the follow-up, obviously, not quite as interesting, not quite as telling for the whole uh, tournament here. It's H2K versus the Bangkok Titans. See, I really wish they would have started with this game so I could have slept in an extra hour. Because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that... Whatever. Uh, I'm very like nonchalant about this game. Like, Who cares? I, I don't think you're wrong for feeling that way. I, I guess if you're going to convince yourself to watch this game because you are because we podcast about <laughs> yes, these every day. But if you had to try to talk yourself into it for other reasons, is there anything that you want to see in this game that, that you're hoping to see that you can get excited about the possibility of coming to fruition in this kind of uh, in this oh. matchup? Odoamne playing like Fiora or uh, or Darius and just like styling like that's that's the only entertaining thing that's going to be about this game like it maybe Ryu getting an assassin and styling but like other than that I love yellow I love I I keep wanting to call him yellow star Kossing <laughs> I love Kossing I think he's a very talented player and he has a lot of the, the the tools that you're looking for out of a very strong support player in the future but supports aren't necessarily the flashiest playmakers no offense you guys kind of have a pretty simple job. Uh, I don't think Lolex is at all a flashy style jungler. He is really bland and boring to watch. He mm. reminds me of uh, a non-sightstone buying Cortez. Oh, dude! And that's about as bad a that's about as bad a reference as you can get from me if you're a jungler. Is comparing you to Cortez. First of all, I don't <laughs> think Kez dies nearly as often as Lulex tends to. That's because he's warded the entire enemy jungle. I know it's the one <laughs> thing Cor he does. At least Cortez's team knows that he wants to go get vision, and they like they follow up on him. Poor Lulex is like, I just want to get one ward, like at. At the wraith, like I barely want to walk into their jungle, and all five of the enemy team are already there waiting for him. And he's just it, like, "I don't know, guys. I'm sorry." Like, yeah. it, it really up, does. Please. It really does make me wonder. You know, we heard a lot of rumors about, "Oh, this team isn't getting along. Lulex is not working as hard as he needs to, and this is causing tension." Like, maybe that's true. Maybe they're just like, screw it, I'm not helping you, Lulex. Oh, you don't need to practice? Awesome. Then you'll be just fine on your own, huh? Oh, look, you died. That's a shame. Like, I, like I, that would be a very petty kind of way to approach all this stuff. But if you're already of the mindset of, well, we've got EDG and SKT in our group. We're screwed anyway. 
and we're going to be rebuilding all this stuff. You know, maybe Lulex isn't communicating the way that he needs to on these things because he's tired of all these people that he knows he's not going to be working with in, in three months. I don't know. But there's it's it's weird. We can officially say that it is weird that this team is working so little together uh, at this point in time. Where do you think the line is on this game? So what what were like the 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 EDG and SKT lines were like three thousand three hundred thirty three. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with H2K minus twenty five hundred. I'm gonna get this one. Okay, if this is anything less than two thousand, I'm just. I'm ending this call and I'm walking away. It's minus five twenty six, but please don't leave the call. Are please. You... <laughs> oh! Oh! I because H two K is not very good. I guess that's the I, whole. You... I I understand. I understand. Oh my god! This Titans team. I mean, okay. Guys, like... If you want the safest way to like, just like, I, I get that the odds are absolutely terrible. I, I'm going to look this up. I it's one point. It's one point one nine. No, I need to see. Time. I need to see how many unicorns I I would get on on betting. If I make a bet well, on H two K, if you I bet a hundred, if you put a hundred on H two K, you get a hundred nineteen back. But you know what you can do is you can <laughs> so put you it in a multi bet. Yeah, you gain nineteen. So you could put it in a multi bet. Yeah. Is, which is what I'm totally going to do because after my terrible lesson on don't do three-team parlays, I'm <laughs> definitely going to be doing a three-team parlay. <laughs> this is so, about as like sure thing as you can get of a sure thing bet at Worlds this year. So if you want, if you if you're like Chase and you need to pull back, you know, you need to get like twenty or thirty, co- you know, be, you know, unicorns back. Like just go all in on this. Like I'm tempted to just throw a thousand on this and just have this be my one bet, just so I can make a hundred back and be like. Ha! Watch, this is going to be the one time where, like, G4 gets his Yasuo and just goes ham, and then Moss is doing some crazy things with his Thresh play. Uh, that, is, and... that is worth the risk. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the Bangkok Titans are just plus 350, so it's not even like... You're getting that much value on the other side. It's, it's a weird... I went minus 300, by the way, just because I'm like, H2K is... I was looking at the line that CLG got against Payne, and I'm like, I know Payne is better, but H2K is worse, and CLG versus Payne was only minus 323. That's so, I, I don't know. It's, I'm it's, bah. That's awful. That is the, awful. The Titans are really bad at League of Legends. I am I, I so it's... disappointed in Unicorn that I lost that one point. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. But you know what? Uh, they, they make up for the fact that they, it, they make it very easy for me to make decisions and not be able to come back on them. Yeah, congratulate. Look, the whole point is they're offering you more money on this H2K bet than you could possibly <laughs> deserve. So really, we should be thanking them for this wonderful opportunity they've bestowed <laughs> upon us. Let's uh, let's move on, and we're going to talk about uh, Group D now, which we got to premiere today. And we're going to start, Walter. You've you've been anxiously awaiting this part of the podcast, I'm sure, since we started. You are a TSM fan. I, hey, I told I told you what I dreamt about. For, you for have... those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I sent this to Chase on Skype and then tweeted it out. I had a dream last night that TSM got crushed so badly by KT that Bjergsen retired on the spot. That's what I mean. I wish I could have taken that bet back when I woke up this morning. It was it was one of those horrendous mistakes of you drank way too much the night before and you wake up and there's just this very unattractive person next to you and you're like, oh, God, 
Oh, oh my god, what did I do wrong? Oh god. Like, that's what I woke up to this morning. It's, uh... It's it's incredible. I just watching you go from we are getting out of this group. I don't care what the haters say. Like just defiant on day one. Like we're going to surprise everybody. To this is the worst team I've ever seen. They're useless. They're I don't know why anyone would believe in them. And and the and the quote of the day was uh, was me. We were talking on this Skype, and and you tweeted this out. So I asked you if you if we were absolutely sure that Santorin was actually in this game, and you said, "Oh yeah, he died by he got pulled by Darius in that one fight." And I'm like, "Oh, good. That's what, that's what, a promising sign." What what this has proven to me, and this is the part like not so much the Darius, ha ha ha, he gets ganked and he dies like 30 times, not the Santorin for as good as he's been made out to be by the statistics, does absolutely nothing and just lets his lanes do everything. The one thing that I really failed and really underestimated me, and this is totally my fault, and I should have learned this because of Ranked, um, Riot has absolutely gutted the ability of one single player on equal skill level to actually accomplish anything in the game. Bjergsen was, play- Bjergsen was playing fantastically against against Nognet. Like, fantastic in the mid lane. Mm. And, yeah, it didn't matter. Like, great, I, he killed him once. That was it. He only got one kill on the Azir. But, like, all the pressure that he was putting on mid lane during the first 25 minutes of the game meant absolutely nothing. Well, see, that's the problem. Like, yes, he, did he play well? Of course he played well. He somehow ended up with more CS than Azir, who was, like, designed for wave clear and uh, t- for this kind of safety. And he outplayed Nagne throughout the whole thing, undoubtedly. That said, if you're a LeBlanc and you're going to hard carry the game, you need more than two kills by the 30-minute mark. That did not happen. Bjergsen was not... Roaming around the map, getting all these kills, playing to such an extreme degree that he could have hard, you know, it, it wasn't to me one of those, oh, a mid laner is playing so well that he, you know, back in the day he would have hard carried. I don't think, you know, 10 patches ago, the kind of numbers that he had would have been in a position to hard carry this game. And really it was, it was just that these other lanes were going so thoroughly in KT's favor, that it just didn't matter. You give Arrow the 180 carry in which Arrow always looks good, which is this Kogma, and you gave Someday, the best top laner in the world, this Darius pick. And, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, you pick Elise for Santorin and there's no early game pressure. You pick Braum for Lustboy and he's consistently caught out, and I have no idea... When the rest of his team went up the river, he decides to, like, I'm going to go be sneaky and go through the coup jungle and then gets jumped because, of course, he does. It just – the rest of his team never put Bjergsen in a position where he could go full-on man mode. He needed them to do something, and across the board, every single one of these guys let him down, and – you know, it, it, it's not even fun. Like, I would love to have these bragging rights over you and be like, oh, man, see, you know, Invictus sucked yesterday. Now TSM, like, you know, we could have that camaraderie. But it just made me sad In more than honesty, anything. Turtle didn't let him down. 
Turtle Turtle was trying his little heart and like he was trying his little heart as hardest. Yeah, like, but... I think Vane was the wrong champion to pick here. Like that was totally a mistake. And mm-hmm. I know that I know the the casters were saying Sivir. Sivir probably would have been like very good, mm-hmm. but I think uh, I'm gonna keep harping on this. Tristana and Jinx tower sieging. Tristana and Jinx get towers, reset eighty carries, carry late game team fights. Like, yeah, duh. I, I think given the Kogma, I think Sivir's a little bit better for that particular matchup. Vayne is like the worst thing you could have chosen because you've now eliminated no, any chance for Quinn. Wave. You, you could have played Quinn. Like, let's be honest, they could have played Quinn. I'm fine with Quinn. I want more Quinn <laughs> no, in my life. No, no, no. But no as, a Falcon, as a Falcon fan, Vayne. as a Falcon fan, I can tell you that all we do is Quinn, 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 no matter what. So uh, huh. I'm no. all, I'm all Quinn. in. Quinn, Quinn, ah, that's hilarious now. That's, that's actually that, very funny. That's a that's a terrible pun that people will only understand if they understand that I'm a Fal- Atlanta Falcons fan, and uh, and we don't suck for the first time in a while. It's been but, a but in reality, Qu- Quinn is a, a worse form of Vane. Yeah, like that. I, I I don't agree with the pick, but gosh darn it, man, Turtle was trying his hardest mm-hmm. to carry the dead carcasses of Dyrus Santarin and Lustboy. And like catch up to like and just do anything to help Bjergsen. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, someone tweeted earlier today, um, Flutterpen I think is their name, um, and and tweeted like, you know, God, it's really hard to win games when you're when you have two people, and, and talking about TSM. And I was like, wait, so Bjergsen equals one and the other four equals two, and they were like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that that's where we are right now. Uh, I personally, my favorite tweet of the day, other than the ones from ourselves, was based God Northy going, "Man, Santorin's Evelyn is really great." Haven't, haven't <laughs> seen it all day. <laughs> I, Jeez, every once in a while, nothing. I don't it, think it, he ever ganked. It's so rough, and it's not even the fun kind of rough. Like I said, it's not the kind of thing where you're like, "Oh man, you know, it just didn't work out." But you know, maybe you know, it, it just, it just wasn't fun. Like, I just want to give Dyrus a hug and be like, "Maybe one day you'll play League of Legends instead of just being camped like crazy without but, any of your team helping uh, you." Here's the thing: he wasn't being camped like SKT camped him in season three. He That's he's true. not. He's just. There was one moment where, like, it looked like the the Darius was pushing the lane back into a bot lane. I'm like, okay, so like, just just wait. And he goes and he walks up, and he has no, and he has flash. I think he has flash at this point, but there's no no outer tower there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, no, no, Dar- no. Like, I I can see on the map that Alistar and Rexire in his jungle, but I'm like, you should know that Alistar and Rexire. Like, if they have an Alistar and a Rexire in your jungle and you don't see them anywhere else on the map, you should probably assume that they're in your jungle waiting for you. And like, mm-hmm. the second he walked up, he threw a he threw an axe to get like two farm, and immediately Alistar and Rexire are right there on top of him. And I'm like, for someone who has played as long as he has, and I've and I've played maybe a year less than him. I'm not a professional player, but man, oh man, you have to have some sort of natural instinct inside your head going, mm, this probably isn't a good idea. He needs to start listening to that. Like, ju- he's just not listening to it. He's just not listening to that little voice in the head going, I really don't think you should be out this far with no vision at all anywhere on the bot side of the map just to get like two CS when it's very clear that the enemy laner is pushing the lane into you anyways. 
You know what I think it is? It's the same thing of, uh, you know, that person in a horror film that just tells everyone to split up. <laughs> like, that's tired. It's like, so he's Freddy like, is what you're telling me. Absolutely. He's like Freddy com- Scooby-Doo. Common sense would be would say stick together, work for the team, wait till things are safe. We'll be just fine. And that's and then Dyra says, "Nah, I got this. I'm gonna go out there and be the hero." And then he dies, and then it happens again. And then by the third time, it's it's almost like at that point you're worried that he has like the, he's like Doherty from Finding Nemo, where he just forgets that this is what happens if he does this. It's it's honestly and and, and by the way, I am I am perfectly aware that talking about TSM this much is doing exactly what I made fun of the analyst desk for doing when I said that I really wish they would talk about KT a little bit. (laughs) But it is really hard to look at this game and say, you know, like, okay, okay, let's give KT the two minutes that they're due. (laughs) Thumbday looked great. I thought Arrow outperformed what I thought he was going to be. Pickaboo didn't get a chance to roam early, but he still, once he got his opportunity, he made some great plays. Nogne looked really bad, like Nogne startlingly bad. Oh, like that that score that he has, that five one and eight is is so inflated mm-hmm. by how like everyone else around him, and he just got kills at the end of the game. Like this right here, so, someone made a joke on Twitter. Like Bjergsen is asking if he can if he can you know move to KT, and KT is like, can we have him? Yeah, like that I was Theon. Like, did uh... went to Korea and played on KT. This would be a really, really good team. Yeah, and and that's where we are right now. Honestly, it's it's rough. I mean, he had one nice play in a in a Baron Pit fight that was pretty good, but honestly, it was set up by the rest of his team. And someday, you know, just gave him so many opportunities to to finally get this right. But the only thing I'm going to remember from Nagne from that game was that one v one. Against Bjergsen, <laughs> and he just where he just the wall. he just whiffed everything. Yeah, and it wasn't just that he whiffed it, but he whiffed it in such obvious telegraphed ways. Like I've seen silver mid laners I've gone up against that have timed those skill shots better than he did in that moment, and that's not going to work against Bjergsen. That was yeah. that was laughably bad, and uh, and that's something KT's going to have to work on going forward. I think that. They've got to be happy with this win, but they've got to be happier that they got away with some things that they're not going to get away with against higher quality opponents. Yeah. And speaking of those higher quality opponents, LGD versus Origin, the game of the day, I think, by far, the first game that I have told everyone who has ever played League of Legends with me once, you have to watch this game. What was your biggest takeaway from this whole thing? Holy crap. Bjergsen is going to look really good on Origin next year. No, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I, 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 mean, I said that, but, um, <laughs> like, man, you can take Peke and Soaz out of Fnatic, but you cannot take the Fnatic out of Peke and Soaz. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and huge props to Herman, the, the coach. I'm This this is almost as much on him as it is uh, the, the team. They <laughs> abused TBQ's champion pool abused it i i sat there they banned lee sin and picked a lee and they banned lee sin and rexi and picked a lease and i was like wait what's he gonna play i'm like <laughs> evelyn i guess evelyn but evelyn is absolutely terrible into a lease like um yeah. crap and he picked vi and i'm like oh 
I, I was expecting the Gragas. That seems like it would have been a much safer kind of thing, but I, I guess they were worried about engage potential, but they already have the Malphite for that, which I think is you know a fine pick. A lot of people criticize that pick. I'm not as against it when it's played well. Acorn missed every single ult I saw him attempt not, because it was so telegraphed. Not knowing that the Vladimir was coming. The Vladimir is what sealed it. Like, mm. I, I think the two obvious picks there for, Mal, for, for LGD was either Malphite or Maokai. Like, they needed, a, they needed a tank. They didn't need, you know, a Fiora wasn't a good choice here. Uh, Olaf wasn't really a good choice here. Like, they needed a tank to help peel for the, the Juggermaw. So it's either going to be Maokai or, or, or Malphite uh, are the obvious ones. And if they went Maokai, Soaz just wouldn't have played Vladimir. He would have played uh, probably Rumble at this point. With this team composition, he probably would have gone rumble. But it, it would have been interesting. But yeah, that Vladimir worked out, man. And it worked out after LGD spent so many resources keeping it down early and, and keeping him away from any experience and any minions at level one for, for quite a few minutes. I mean, it looked rough. And then suddenly, you know, they push the tower and there's this giant wave of minions that are now getting close to the inner tower and so has got all this free farm and suddenly he was right back in this thing and in fact winning that top lane matchup which says something about the way that acorn mismanaged the farm in that particular lane yeah they really didn't punish that mistake at yeah. all it, it was like it was like so it was like such a mistake on his part that like lgd didn't even know how to like punish it they were just like wait what like who does this like they weren't even in a position to punish him for it. Yeah, and and I and I hope that everyone who is listening to this podcast watched all of these games because we're about to spoil the ending to the coolest game that we've seen so far at Worlds. That Soaz backdoor. Oh my God! It had was, to be backdoor. It had to be. And the thing is, like you ha you've seen, you know, Xpeke has the most famous backdoor play, and you know that Soaz has the teleport, and you go for Baron without any backup plan and that to me was just lgd just being overconfident being unaware of the the situation and how far the super minions had really pushed in like i get why you want to get baron you're looking at all these super minions you're saying the only way we're going to clear this is if we make our minions super strong then we could push out we can get that next team fight and hopefully turn things around but you can only do that if you have some way of getting back there and preventing this split push, and they took way too long for Acorn to get the teleport back. I mean embarrassingly long I, to send him back there to stop that, that whole thing. And, and they did it through a recall too. It wasn't a teleport if I remember correctly. It was really just a weird set of, uh, of decisions on their part. And by the time they realized their mistake, it was, it was too late. You know, Vladimir has the pool. He has ways of dodging that Malphite CC, and it just, you know, it was, Nexus it was, was gone. So well played. That that ending sequence of of Ori Orion just poking and just picking at whatever champion that they could while they were doing Baron. Like they, I don't think that LGD has played against a Vladimir in a long time. Then, like you forget how quickly Vladimir, when he has items, just starts burning through minion waves. Like it mm -hmm. literally is like. Auto, auto, E. The entire minion wave is gone. And you're like, oh, okay, well, um, yeah, I'm just going to sit under tower and keep doing that. And like, that's all Soaz did was just clear minion wave, clear minion wave, 
clear minion wave. Clear minion wave. You know, he has eight assists. He doesn't have any kills. He only died three times, and a couple of them was that he just got, you know, really, really well done on LGD's part of just kind of catching him out. He had one really, really bad tar uh, TP where, like, his entire team, Orient, just all backed off, and all of a sudden he's in the middle of LGD by himself going, oh, boy, okay, I'm dead. Uh, I just thought it was really really well played and and i my per the mvp of the match for me was niels niels yeah. went against the the second god if 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 faker is zeus imp, if faker is like odin zeus is loki or hades or you know whatever like he's that second god underneath and he went up against him and he didn't die and he had some really awesome uh like saving mythy like there was one where they were on the on the bot so on, on underneath bot tower and and malphite like tp tp'd in to like try and kill him and it was just like it was it was any alt disengage Callista, you know flashed flashed back any you know pulled annie out of it and then annie flashed out of the malphites like ultimate like they had one right at the end when they were on bot side uh, and they ended up getting the bot inhibitor where Malphite just ran into them to try and ult Annie and, and Niels, uh, Annie and Callista, and both Niels and Mithy flashed at the exact same time and dodged it. Like, he did not play like this was his first time playing on a world stage. He was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, he was great. And the and the other one that was really, really great was Xpeke, who, going into this matchup, our glorious analyst desk, mentioned how just outmatched he was by God V and how tough this was going to be. And suddenly uh, it didn't look so tough for them. They were, uh, they were doing just fine with X Peke there. And he, um, he just did an amazing job on that Oriana and, and, and showed this potential counter, this Lulu pick that people have gone on and on about how good this Lulu pick is. It's S plus tier. You know, you, you cannot let this through. And, uh, Origin said, yeah, we can. We're fine. Let That's not a problem for us. Don't worry. You worry about that. We'll take care of this Lulu. And he, he won that lane. And not only did he win the lane, he won it prettily pretty handily and then had these amazing shockwaves that just turned what could have been some lgd momentum and just turned it on its head i was very impressed with this entire team um so you know so i i don't know i don't know what to think about this group anymore we start with this lgd versus kt game tomorrow I, it, out of these two teams which one do you have more confidence in going forward kt just straight up kt wow even with nagne performing as badly as he did I – well, here's the thing. I think KT is going to try and bait the Lulu again because uh, they are – yeah, they're, they're red side. I think you just try and bait the Lulu again, and you just say, have you know, if Acorn's going to play it, fine, you know, and you just – you try and you save your your your, uh, your last pick for, for the counter uh, for your mid laner or for your top laner, depending on what else uh, LGD shows you, but you try and get Godvi back onto that Lulu. Cause he is, he's an assassin player. He's a die. He's that Diana mid lane, tel you know, with teleport. Like he's an assassin and split pusher. And he's not, he did not show that he was very good on Lulu today. As bad as Nagne might've been, he was able to play really, really safe against an assassin. So if you just get rid of that assassin and just turn it into a farm fest, I mean, I, he just needs to not screw up. At the yeah. end of the day, that's just what it comes down to. 
I mean, it is one of those things where you you look at KT, and I, I guess the one difference would be is how much faith do you have in score to abuse TBQ uh, compared to how much faith we had in Amazing. But honestly, it, it comes down to scheming and how you handle these picks and bans and how you handle the in-game strategy to, to, to isolate these kinds of weaker players. And on all of those metrics, I think that KT is just as capable as, uh, as Origin is. And, you know, I, I think – I don't know if I'm willing to say quite yet that KT is my favorite to win this next game. I think it is slightly more likely that LGD bounces back and looks like the team that they were. But this game really exposed how big of a hole TBQ was. You know, we, we talk about how Imp is the best AD carry in the world. And by the way, he had an amazing game. Uh, it's an amazing game that will be lost to the battles of history because, you know, it didn't matter at the end of the day. It was in a losing effort, but he looked great that entire game. His Cogma was on point. Uh, he did everything you could ask for. PYL had a great game. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Godby, and even though he wasn't beating Xpeke, he didn't look bad. He just wasn't winning that whole thing. But when you look at TBQ, it was rough. It was really, really rough, and I don't know how you fix that. And I don't know how you fix that if Acorn isn't at the top of his game too because that's something that needs to be there, and it just wasn't today. Where do you think the line is on this? Oh, man. I still think LGD is considered the favorite mm-hmm. just because they're, they – Kind of the same argument as earlier with Baker. You have Imp, who's the second best player in the world. Um, as you know, Peke and Soaz, Fnatic and, and Orion have these kind of really weird styles of play that are really hard to prepare for. Where I think KT is still kind of a, a, a more standard uh, team to play against. Like, yeah, you know, everyone plays kind of the same meta, but like, you're not going to get double TP Oriana Vladimir pulled out on you on anybody other than like Soaz and Peke. Like that's just how they've always been. And it's really hard to prepare for that. Um, so I think LGD, I, I feel better about KT over LGD because I think LGD has shown there is a very clear path to, to screwing with them. And it's getting TBQ off of the top three junglers and getting God V onto a control mage, as opposed to a, a, uh, as opposed to an assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think it's LGD uh, minus 160. Okay, I'm going to get this one. Okay. I said minus 150. It is minus 149. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh, oh, you think that line's funny. We now get into Origin oh, versus Jesus. TSM. We, we've said a lot about TSM. I, I don't think we need to go into too much about this game just because... Origin looked really, really good. TSM looked really, really not good. You know, I could ask the typical, like, what do you think TSM needs to do to fix it? And the answer is everything. So I, it's it's hard to go into too much about this. I just want to see where you think the line is for this game. See, when you say stuff like this, it makes me want to – it makes me want it like, I, I'm like, okay. Is it going to be stupid high or is it going to be stupid low? Like right now, I'm trying to decide: is it a push? Is this just is this just <laughs> unicorn like just trolling me? Um, I am going to say Orion minus two twenty five. 
You win this one. Okay. It's high. You are right. It is stupidly low. It's stupidly low. Okay. It's origin minus 159. Huh. So, so TSM plus 120, if you want to look at it that here's way. The, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm tempted to bet on TSM this one. Whoa! I know. As much as I just crucified them. Do I need to look, give you your tweets from like eight hours ago? <laughs> like, I, are you, you, I mean, please, TSM, by all TSM means. TSM is going to win one game. They're going to win one game against Orient. So you think this could be a classic letdown game? I don't like know. Like Origin just spent everything on LGD. That, that they just pulled me. off this crazy <laughs> upset. It's all – I mean this is the thing. Like we talk about this with basketball, with football all yeah. the time. You, you put everything into this one game. And they're going to be playing KT on Sunday? Like I maybe, yeah. that, maybe that's really what's in my head that's doing it. But I just hmm? – I, there, there's as bad as bad a feeling as I had this morning, as terribly as they played. Maybe it's just the TSM fan in me, and it's just clawing at something. And it's just like, give them one more chance, mm-hmm. one little chance. Maybe they're not making it out of groups, but only like only plus one fifty. I'm not sure if that's really worth it. That that that's the part that's giving me plus one twenty. It's only plus one twenty. Oh, it's, it's even plus lower. Plus one twenty. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not great. And it's still getting 33% of the action if these stats are correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd almost just bet on Orion there instead. Pair that up with my like H2K Orion and the other European team. Yeah. I mean, that's not – you're not wrong there. <laughs> it's uh, – it'll Three be team interesting. Three teams, the, the Europeans. I, I mean, it's a theory, man. I and and we're gonna get into it. I think those odds might be friendlier to you than you think. Uh, oh, it starts with Invictus versus Cloud Nine, though. You know, obviously we're a day removed from Invictus just looking like a mess, and Cloud Nine surprising everybody. What do you think, Invictus? You know, they've had a whole day to think about it. how how what is the best thing they can do to try to fix these problems that we saw in their day one game against Fnatic? It's very, very simple. Three words. Don't pick Skarnar. (laughs) That's it. Any other jungler that you could possibly think to play right now. Elise, Lee Sin, Evelyn, Rek'Sai. Those are the only four junglers you need to worry about, Kakao. Those are the only four junglers on the planet that exist. And Nidalee, Nidalee. There you go, five. You have five junglers to choose from. Don't pick Skarnar. End of story. That's it. You got your cutesy game out of the way, whatever. Don't pick Skarnar. You're going to just absolutely crush highs, whatever he calls it. Yeah, it's. Uh, it seems like... It seems like that should work, right? High's jungle pathing is still not very clean. You won Cloud9 won this game against HQ because they had this amazing objective trading. They let Sneaky Hard carry. They let you know that whole system work out such that Westor never got a real chance to get going, even though he had some very good plays early on. Albus got trapped in that bot lane because he needed to make sure that Sneaky didn't get even more fed than he was. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of things that went right for Cloud9. Invictus has ZZ Tai in the top lane. That's going to be a little bit better, you would think, 
than Ziv, who had an uncharacteristically bad game in that first matchup. You would think that uh, you're going to get a better performance from Kakao than you did from Mountain, who was yeah. playing his first Rengar game of all time. Man, we thought Dyrus got crushed today. Oh, boy. I, I, oh, boy. Kakao and ZZ tie. Oh, man. I can't wait to – I can't wait to watch the carnage that is about to happen to Balls. Well, and that's the thing. Like, Kakao has not been the carnage guy for a little bit now. And I'm not saying that he's going to immediately fix all of that. But I think if you have – if you're Invictus, you cannot watch the highlights from that loss and say anything other than we needed to be more aggressive. If we're going to play a pick comp, we need to start making picks. We need to – we cannot wait in this meta. The games are too fast. It's too easy to snowball. We have to act. And if that means, Kakao, you're going to make some decisions and not all of them are going to be great. But we're just going to unleash you out on the world. That's something you might have to do. And Kakao hasn't been that guy so far in China. But it doesn't mean that he can't be that guy again. And if you're Invictus, you've got to hope that he is that guy because – I don't know if you do the whole farm until 20 kind of mindset against Cloud9. I mean, this is another team that's really good at trades and really good at snowballing those early leads. And Sneaky gets going on a Tristana. That's that's not where you want to be. So I hope that Invictus can make those adjustments. I believe they will make those adjustments. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Invictus fan and I need to believe that for my sanity going forward because if they lose to Cloud9 – I just I, – I don't know how I'm going to continue with day four of these podcasts. Um, where do you think the line is? Invictus minus 185. You – I get this one. Oh. I, I didn't mean to fake you out there. No, I was a little meaner than that. I, I was minus 200. It is minus 278. I heard the 70. I'm like, whoa, he almost got it. And then I was like, oh, 175. My bad. Yeah. 278 on that line. I think that's a little high. I, like, I, I, can't bet a little ag- high. I can't bet against this team because, you know, it's Invictus and they're my team. And it would be wrong to – to do that, I don't want to be rooting for them to lose. It, but at the same time, it's plus 205 for Cloud9. It's high because Kid and Kitty is versus Sneaky and Lemon Nation. Good God, yeah. I never thought I'd give Lemon Nation, like, props. <laughs> um, so, so, IG, if you really want to win this game, I, I said don't pick Skarnar, and that's a good place to start. Here's my other piece of advice if you want to beat Cloud9. Two words ban Morgana. Oh, yeah. IG, you want to win this, you want to beat Cloud9, and for anybody that wants to beat Cloud9 from here and here and out, ban Morgana. You do that, you're going to have an easy time. Guarantee it. And if you're really lucky, they might bring out the Karma pick, which is basically <laughs> an insta-win for you. I, I, Lemon Nation loves it, man. He might believe that this is the this is the chance. It really was just waiting for the world stage. and needed to brew for a little bit. Oh, it's gosh. in play. I I uh, no. I would thoroughly enjoy no. that as an Invictus no. fan. No, not, go. not not when not when Balls has to play against ZZ Tide. Please don't do that. Don't do that to everyone. We we have one more game. We have one more game. We do need to talk about. Uh, it is Fnatic versus AHQ. We already talked a little bit about some of the problems that AHQ had thanks to 
Cloud9 strategy, obviously Fnatic coming off a much bigger win. Do you think that, you know, or I guess I should say, what changes do you see happening between these two teams that's going to affect uh, what we see here on day three? Uh, so if anyone wants to know which LMS team to root to make out of groups, it's not AHQ. Aww. It's really not AHQ. I'm sorry. Go. You want to go root for stake right now? Like that's your best chance of making it out of groups. Fnatic is is maybe not with the same ferocity that they destroyed IG, but they're gonna destroy AHQ. Just just they're gonna destroy them. I don't see a way in which AHQ wins this series unless they really really uh unless Huni like shows up very doesn't show up and plays very very poorly. Because uh, let's face it, he played masterfully against IG and against probably a much and against a much better top laner in ZZ tie over Ziv. Yeah, it it looked really really good, and I I was very excited to see if Fnatic can can keep this up, uh, and and how uh, how we're going to see. Uh, AHQ respond. I, I, I don't know. I, here's the here's the thing. I'm going to make the case for AHQ because I was all in on the LMS, and I want to continue to be that LMS guy just because the Flash Wolves paid it off one day too late for me. But if AHQ is going to win, it requires Westor to somehow not lose the lane to Forbidden, which I think is going to be really hard. Because Forbidden, yeah, Forbidden's even better than Incarnation. Uh, and, and is better at putting some earlier pressure on him. You need Mountain to play something more in his comfort level. That That's something you can do. You need Ziv to outplay Huni, which, again, I think is possible if Ziv is playing the way that he needs to play. He did not play that way against Balls, but that's very unlike what we've seen from him in the past, and I think some of that came from forcing the uh, forcing the Darius pick that just did not quite fit on him the way that I think he thought it was going to. <laughs> and you need to try to – there's just there's so many things that have to go yeah, right for I, AHQ I, to exactly. win this game. It's a terrible matchup for him. And, and I, the argument that you would have made a week ago, which I did make a week ago, was that it was possible for them to pull off an upset here because Fnatic is such a farm to 20 kind of team. And that means you know those, that's a hole that you can exploit. But we already saw what they were able to do against Invictus. I don't. I'm not worried about them having to pick up the pace anymore. They, it seems like they are very much aware of what you need to do to pick up the pace in those kinds of situations and to, you know, engage in the meta where it is today. If anything, I'm more worried if I'm AHQ than I was before because Fnatic played champions that. Pretty much no, very few people have played the same kind of champions they were playing since then. Everyone was talking about like, oh man, this this composition is so outdated. It would have been great on 515. They they weren't using the Darius or the Fiora or the whatever. They played a very, what, what used to be standard comp and still did great. Imagine what they're going to do when you get more of these power picks on there and really go all in on it. I, I think there's more to this Fnatic barrel than we've seen so far. And it, I just... As much as I want to believe in AHQ, there's just so many individual matchups that just don't go their way. Where do you think the line is on this? I'm going to say Fnatic 
minus 235. Wow, you get this one. We're going to tie again today. I don't, I don't like this. You and I splitting these, uh, it means I'm stuck on this just a one-game lead, and I don't – that's not comfortable enough for me given how many <laughs> more days we have to go. Uh, I said minus 400. I thought Fnatic would be heavy favorites. It is minus 208. Which means Fnatic, for those of you who love the decimal system, is only 148. Uh, that's not bad, especially if you put that in a parlay with something, which Ooh. I think I, uh, I'm i definitely going to do. I got Luckily, my parlay. I don't have any Group A teams to to get stuck into this parlay with <laughs> because I am done with Group A as much as I can avoid it, which I can't, by the way, when Group A day comes along next week. So. I'm already yeah. dreading that because at this point, I just think anything's possible in that group. I think we're there. Uh, I would not be surprised if we end up with Ku somehow beating CLG on day four, and then we have three teams at two and one, and no one knows what's going on. That seems to be the inevitable fate of this group. <laughs> it, just, it just seems to be the road we're driving on because otherwise, we've got CLG at three and oh, and the internet, I mean, Reddit might just break. Like yeah. I just don't know how we handle that. So, so we're in for a, a lose one game to give fans false dread. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to see how we can flip it around. But I think that's a podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at @redshirtking if you want to talk during the games. We've gotten quite a few new followers recently. I've loved been uh, going back and forth with you guys. And Walter, where can they find you? Uh, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. That is C-E-A-D-E-S underscore LOL. Yeah, and we love hearing from you guys. We love getting feedback on the show. Uh, we've already heard some very nice things. We're so glad you guys are enjoying it. We hope you guys keep enjoying it, uh, even with the technical issues that we've had. Hopefully, it all comes through pretty nicely for you guys. And uh, I'm going to get to work on fixing those for the long run. So until tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m. PST... Goodbye, Internet.